0: This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible that includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account and best of all you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well so be sure to go to my link audibletrial.com/cultivate that's c u l t i v the number 8 to sign up for a free month of audible and start reading today thank you audible for supporting the show i know that we did the right thing because i saw the sign of christ in her hands She was bearing stigmata, and that was a sign from God that we should exorcise the demons. She died to save other lost souls, to atone for their sins. These were the words spoken by Anna Mikkel, the mother of Anneliese Mikkel. Anneliese was a German woman who had 67 Catholic exorcism rites performed on her. By the age of 20, she had developed an intolerance for many religious artefacts and was hearing voices. Despite medicine, her illness worsened and she became suicidal, as well as exhibiting other symptoms for which she was treated. Mikkel and her family became convinced that she was possessed by a demon after five years of taking psychiatric drugs, failed to alleviate her symptoms. Exorcisms were started by the priests and the parents ceased attending doctors. After 67 exorcism sessions, Annalise Mikkel stopped eating and would die of malnutrition and dehydration at the age of twenty three. This is the tragic story of Annalise Mikkel. Well, hello, my fellow weirdos. It's your master of the macabre, your sultan of the spooks, your host, Dom, and welcome to episode 28 of Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre. I hope everyone is feeling fantastic on this Friday. Camp is almost over for me, which makes me incredibly sad, but it's been an unbelievable experience and i've loved every single minute of it and it's and it's something that i will i will never forget but it's almost time for my three weeks of traveling the east of the us and it's almost time to see boston to see florida to break my disney world virginity to spend some time in pennsylvania to see virginia and i am fucking buzzing anyway Let's get to today's topic. And today, we have a little bit something different. It's not a true crime case. It's not an unexplained mystery or an unexplained murder uh, or an unsolved you know, murder. I'm doing something I haven't done in a while, and that is a paranormal case or an allegedly paranormal case. And that is the tragic story of Annalise Mikhail, who died an absolutely horrendous death. after nearly nearly 70 exorcisms, dehydration and starvation. I will do my best to keep this as light as I possibly can, but this is going to be pretty brutal. And it will also probably be a little bit on the shorter side uh, because there's not a massive amount of information. So it will be a bit of a shorter episode, but I will try and keep it light where I can. So let's get rocking and rolling. Anneliese Mikkel was born on September the 21st, 1952, in Liepfing, uh, Bavaria, West Germany, to a Roman Catholic family. Her parents, Joseph and Anna, raised her and her three sisters. She was a devout Catholic who would attend Mass twice a week. When Anneliese was 16, she suddenly blacked out at school and began Walking around in a daze. Though Annalise did not remember the event, her friends and family said she was in a trance like state. A year later, Annalise McCall experienced another occurrence where she woke up in a trance and wet her bed. Her body would also go through a series of convulsions, causing her body to shake uncontrollably. After this second incident, Annalise uh, would visit a neurologist who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy, a disorder that can cause seizures, loss of memory, and uh, visual and auditory hallucinations. Temporal lobe epilepsy can also cause uh, Geschwind syndrome, a disorder that is marked by hyper-religiosity. Mikkel would have a third seizure in the psychiatric institution where she was being treated, in June 1970, and for the first time, she was given anti-convulsion medication, including uh, dilantin, which did not help her. She started talking about seeing demon faces at different times of the day. She was also prescribed perisiazine, a medicine which is comparable to uh, chlorpromazine, that is, used to treat a variety of psychoses, including schizophrenia, abnormal behaviour and delusions, in the same month. By 1973, she had depression and began hallucinating while praying and complained about hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell. Mikkel's stay in a psychiatric facility had little effect on her health and her depression worsened. Long-term treatment did not assist And she became increasingly unhappy with the medical intervention after five years of using pharmacological, pharmacological, it's one of those (laughs) medications. Mikhail would develop a dislike for Christian holy places and items such as the crucifix. Mikkel would travel to San uh, Damiano with a family friend who organized Christian pilgrimages on a regular basis. Because she couldn't wa- walk past a cross and wouldn't drink the water from a Christian holy spring, her escort would believe that she was possessed by demons. The family friend would state Annalise told me, and Frau Hein confirmed this, that she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation then said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden and then she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to avert her glaze from the picture of Christ. She made it several times to the garden, but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at the medals or the pictures of saints; they sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. Mikkel and her family, as well as neighborhood, as well as her neighborhood, grew persuaded and sought an exorcism from numerous priests. The priests uh, declined, advising the family to continue with medical care and informing them that exorcisms required approval from the bishop. When a person fits all of the criteria for an exorcism, they are regarded to be suffering from possession, uh, also known as infestatio, and under demonic domination, according to the Catholic Church. Some of the first signs of this are an intense disdain for religious things and supernatural abilities. At this point, Annelies' uh, delusions had become extreme. Believing she was possessed, she would rip the clothes off her body, display self-harm, Compulsively perform up to 400 squats a day. 400 squats a day? Jesus. Like, I need to get possessed because that's the only way that I'm ever going to do 400 squats a day. That's an insane number of squats. Um, She also would crawl under a table and bark like a dog for two days. She also ate spiders and coal, bit the head off of a dead bird and licked her own urine from the floor. Ah, uh, Annalise and Aussie, biting the heads off of animals. Always nice to have things in common with others, isn't it? <laughs> Mikkel would begin treatment with Tegretol. Uh, tigretol t- to I think that's what that says. Tigretto, an anti seizure and mood stabilizer in november nineteen seventy three. During the religious rites, she was provided anti psychotic medications which she used on a regular basis until she died. Mikhail's symptoms deteriorated despite taking these neuro, neuroleptic drugs, and she began growling, seeing demons, and throwing things. So at this point, Annalise is not having the best of times. She's not, she's not, having, she's not having a good time. She's not having a good time. Unfortunately, it will only get much worse. Uh, but before we get to that, let's hear from the guys uh, who are the hosts of the awesome podcast. You're going to eat that crust. You start the car, you go in the house, you jerk it, and if it's not warmed up when you're done, you got your zippy. You got, hey, you got to warm up your car, you might as well get yourself warmed up too. We eat in a bag. I don't eat meat in a bag. I won't eat meat in a box. (laughs) Uh I can think of worse ways to spend, what, an hour? I'm like, oh, you know, I'll I'll drink the milk in a couple days past the day that's on there. But for whatever reason, I'm like (laughs) paranoid. Insomniac Snack can be found everywhere you get your pods. Like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, iHeartRadio, and many more wake the fuck up. That's some New York shit right there. That's some real New York shit. Leftover Chinese food. That's just like straight out of a Wu-Tang album. And we are back. So let's continue this macabre tale. So finally, Annalise and her mother found a priest uh, called Ernst Alt who believed in her possession. He stated uh, that she didn't look like an epileptic in later court documents. I I mean, what does an epileptic at epileptic look like do, do they look like completely alien to people that aren't like do they look like completely different to someone who isn't epileptic I how could you use that as a base just to go yeah this girl possessed yo grab the crucifixes get the holy water <laughs> I need the sage get me the sage <laughs> Alt believed she was suffering from demonic possessions and urged the local bishop to allow, to allow an exorcism. In a letter to Alt in 1975, Mikkel would write, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. And also once told him, I want to suffer for other people, that this is so cruel. Alt would petition the local bishop Bishop uh, Joseph uh, Stangel, who eventually approved the request and granted a local priest uh, called Arnold Wren's permission to perform an exorcism, but ordered that it be carried out in complete secrecy. So... Why was Annalise subjected to multiple, multiple exorcisms? Well, exorcisms have existed in various cultures and religions for millennia, but the practice became popular in the Catholic Church in the 1500s with priests who would use the Latin phrase, oh, deary me, uh, (laughs) vadi retro satana. Uh, which translates to "Go back, Satan, to expel demons from their mortal hosts." The practice of catholo- uh, Catholic, Catholicic. What the fuck was that pronunciation? <laughs> That's not even, it's not even close. The practice of Catholic exorcism was codified in the Ritual uh, Romanium, uh, a book of Uh, Christian practices assembled in the 16th century. But by the 1960s, exorcisms were extremely rare among Catholics, but a rise in movies and books like The Exorcist in the early 1970s would cause a renewed interest in the practice. Over the next 10 months following the bishop's approval of Annalise's exorcism, Alt and Renz would conduct 67 exorcism sessions, one or two sessions a week, lasting up to four hours at a time. Mikhail started talking about dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apost- apostate priests of the modern church, and she eventually would refuse to eat. Her parents would also stop contacting doctors and instead relied completely on exorcism rights at this point. Through these sessions, Annalise revealed that she believed she was possessed by six demons. Uh, Lucifer, Cain, Judas Iscariot, Adolf Hitler, Nero and Fleischmann, uh, who was a disgraced priest. All these spirits would jostle for power of Annalise's body and would communicate from her mouth with a low growl. As a result of all these sessions, um, um, and among other things, you know, the the starvation, the dehydration. Macau would die in her home on July the 1st, 1976. The cause of death, according to the post-mortem report, was malnutrition and dehydration caused by nearly a year of semi-starvation while the exorcism ceremonies were performed. She would weigh only 66 pounds uh, when she died and also... Has suffered broken knees from uh, genuflections, which is the act of bending one knee to the ground in prayer. She was reportedly unable to move at all without assistance, and had also contracted pneumonia. Annalise Mikkel would be only twenty-three when she would die, and she didn't go peacefully. You know, she she went in an absolutely horrific way, and and I can't imagine just the, the pain and the misery that she was in. Like, I, I just can't. Um, after her death, Annalies' story became a national sensation in Germany after her parents and the two priests who conducted the exorcisms were charged with negligent homicide. They came before the court and would even use a recording of the exorcisms to try and justify their actions. Uh, Eric Schmidt-Lichner, Uh, defended the parents and their lawyers were paid by the church. The state requested that none of the persons involved be imprisoned. Instead, the priests to be fined and the prosecution ruled that the parents should be excused from punishment because they had suffered enough, which was a requirement in German penal law. This may be controversial this may be controversial, but I think the parents should have been charged with negligent homicide. In my opinion, they let their child die. They could have saved Annalise. They saw her suffering and they didn't do anything to to stop it. So no, I don't think they suffered enough. Thank you for attending my TED Talk. The trial would begin on March 30th, 1978 in the district courts and received a lot of attention. Doctors testified in court that Mikkel was not possessed, claiming it was a psychological effect due to her strict religious upbringing and her epilepsy. However, during the exorcism, Dr Richard Roth, who was asked for medical assistance by Ault, would allegedly tell her there is no injection against the devil, Anneliese. According to uh, Schmidt-Lichner, the exorcism was legal since the German constitution would protect citizens' rights to freely exercise their religious views. To prove that Mikkel was possessed, the defence showed cassette tapes captured at exorcism sessions, sometimes with what was believed to be demons bickering. When approving the exorcism, the bishop claimed he was unaware of her grave health state and would refuse to testify. In April 1978, the defendants were found guilty of negligent homicide and given suspended prison sentences, as well as being ordered to pay the costs of the proceedings. The punishments were described as stiffer than the prosecutor's request, which was for the priest to be simply fined and the parents to be found guilty but not punished. The approval of such an old-fashioned exorcism right by the church gained widespread public and media interest. The case, according to John M. Duffy, involved a misdiagnosis of mental illness. Following the trial, the parents would request uh, request permission from the authorities to exhume their daughter's remains. The official reason given to authorities by uh, by Mikhail's parents was that, she was buried in a hasty manner in a cheap casket. On February the 25th, 1978, over two years after her burial, her bones were reinterred in a new oak casket lined with tin. According to official records, the body showed evidence of persistent deterioration. The accused exorcists were forbidden from seeing Mikhail's remains. Arnold Renz would later claim that he was denied access to the mortuary. Her grave became, and still continues to be, a place of pilgrimage. Despite Pope Benedict's support for wider use of exorcisms compared to Pope John Paul II, who made restrictions harsher in 1999 involving only rare cases, the number of officially sanctioned exorcisms in Germany declined as a result of this case. On June the 6th, 2013, a fire would break out in Annalise Mikkel's childhood home. And while the local police would indicate it was a case of arson, several residents would blame it on the exorcism case. And that is the tragic story of Annalise Mikkel, a woman who, who was mentally ill and was allowed to die. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she was possessed by six separate demons. But to me, this isn't a case of spirituality beating science. It's a case of a young woman who was allowed to die by people that should have known better. But that's just me. You know, don't hesitate to DM me on Instagram, on Twitter, um, and tell me your thoughts. I would love to know what people think about this case, because I, I think that it would... It, Probably falls into two camps, and there's no middle ground. So I, I'm intrigued. If you wanted to, like, if you, if you are so inclined, please hit the DMs and be like, you know what, this is what I think about the Anneliese Mical case. So when will the next episode be in your he- ear holes? Well, I will be back in the motherland in early September, uh, but I won't be recording episodes as soon as I'm back, as I would take a week or two just to get resettled, you know, get my stuff back in order and all that, all that shit. An episode probably will be coming out in September, but I don't have a date just yet. And unfortunately, there won't be an episode out until September because it's impossible for me to record another episode because I'm going to be traveling. So yeah, September at some point, I just don't have a date yet. In the meantime, please follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at HorrorHouse underscore pod. If you enjoy the show, please recommend the podcast to everyone. And I mean everyone. Your postman, your local MP, um, you know, that weird neighbour that you don't really talk to and you get a bit of a creepy vibe from. Recommend it to to him or her. (laughs) Also, don't forget to leave a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, or the website it's a small thing but it helps me out massively and it helps the show grow and it helps reach helps the show reach even more people so it's it's a tiny thing that will take 30 seconds but it helps independent shows out so so much also check out the merch store too and if you're so inclined treat yourself and help me you know help me be able to carry on making many more episodes uh, of of this podcast that I I quite enjoy. (laughs) And lastly, check out all the shows on the Cultivate Network. We have some amazing podcasts here at Cultivate. So, So go and show them some love. Go and show them some love, they deserve it. So all that's left to say, my macabre minions, is until next time, stay spooky.